0: You ever seen a ghost? Been abducted? Heard your name whispered from the other room when you're all alone? No, you say? Me either. But if you're like me, you're still fascinated by the paranormal. It seems everyone else has had an experience and you want to believe it all. So why doesn't it happen to us? What does it all mean? How does it work? Is any of it real? Welcome to Paranorm Girl. A show that will attempt to answer these questions by taking the paranormal completely apart in search of proof. I'm not a blind believer nor a hardened skeptic. I'm just looking for answers and willing to accept what I find. What's spooky with you? Just passing by. Daz, glad to share this experience of mine which I had years ago when in my 30s. Every time, and even now, whenever I think about it, it still gives me massive goosebumps. Here goes. At that time, it was roughly 1 a.m., and I was on the 10th level of a building. This wasn't a desolate area because it was located smack downtown. Having spent the day there, I decided to leave. Usually I'd take the lift, but being that time of night, the lifts were out of service. So that meant I'd have to go the stairs. By the way, just to point out, I was not sleepy and neither was my mind induced in any way at all. Also, I've never been interested or googled about shadow paranormal before. Heck, this was a period when the first smartphone wasn't even in the stores. Anyway, there was I. Yep, walking down the stairs. The weather was quite warm for the night, not uncommon due to the heat of the day. The stairs are the enclosed type which means walls on all four sides without any grab bars on either side. The walls are white in color, and fluorescent lights were on every level, which brightly lit the place. Here comes the part where my goosebumps start kicking in. I've reached, like, almost the seventh floor, when I noticed something black. Really black. On the left side of the wall. At first, I thought, what the fuck? Black cat? And since I'm on the upper stairs, I could see it slowly, just slowly sliding up. That it's a four-foot-tall black shadow. There weren't any eyes or features. It had the outline of something like Batman's shadow. Except there was no Batman, or person, or cat to cast that onto the wall. Nothing was in front of me to cast that shadow as it passed slowly by me on the left wall like what seemed a lifetime. It seemed as if it knew I could see it and didn't care what I was gonna do next. Well, it sort of morphed into, like, the thing. I mean, shit, I'm alone. It was silence for a while before I dashed really fast all the way out of that place. It's been years and I've never had any other encounters and wouldn't want to. Believe that shadow entities exist everywhere because you may just come across them in time. By the way, Daz, I forgot to mention, word has it that the occupants on level seven usually have occult activities. So it may have brought about a shadow person. Well, how do you do? What's cracking, everybody? Welcome back. I'm Kristen. You are you, and this is Paranorm Girl. Not just any old paranormal podcast, not your mom's paranormal podcast, but an education, a deep dive into the mysterious. I'm feeling a little celebratory today for anyone who's been following along thus far. We have hit the first season's midway point. There's a lot more to come, but just wanted to take a moment to appreciate this milestone. They say your fifth episode is when the real work begins. Who says this? I don't know. But I heard it somewhere, so it must be true. And boy, am I ready for it. Bring it on. We have already introduced you to the concept of shadow people, talked about their history and origin story, explored what a real-life, first-hand encounter might entail, gone over a handful of the different players, what they look like, how they act, what their favorite eye colors are, and even discussed the hat man. What more could there be to learn, you ask? In short, plenty. But for today's episode, we're going to take the opportunity to cover a few shadow animals which you may or may not have heard about. As I went over the research for this episode, it became apparent to me that the reason shadow animals may not be reported or talked about very much, at least in relation to shadow entities, is because, one, they are just less common, but also the ones that are reported and talked about are all over the map as far as the actual paranormal class they belong to. For instance, a shadow dog, or more famously, black dog. Throughout history, they were more commonly thought to be a specter or demonic entity. People have also thought them to be either shape-shifted forms of other entities, like regular shadow people, the Cherokee's raven mocker, or a subtype of the jinn called the hin, who like to imitate all animals, but especially dogs. Or they could simply just be the manifested form of our beloved pets who have passed on. At this point in time, I lean more towards the belief they are the visages of past pets. But the stories of blazing red eyes and the harm that is thought to befall encounterees in the black dogs' folklore lead some to believe they are not always of the lovable and welcome variety of entity. We'll talk about a few shadowy critters today, but before we do, I wanted to briefly give a special thank you. To the experts and authors who have put the effort, but most importantly, their time into the pursuit of information into the world of shadow people. It should go without saying, but just in case I haven't made it clear, most of what you have heard thus far on this show in regards to the educational content is not my original discovery. I have personally had help with some of this research material and a pointing in the right direction by folks who devote their attention to this type of information. But I also pull from the content of authors and paranormal enthusiasts out there like Mike Ricksecker, Jason Offit, Karis Branson, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, rest in peace, and Heidi Hollis, think I've worn that lady's name out by now. They make it possible for me to go about even collecting this information into one place. I have done my best to give them the credit they deserve, especially when I am referring to their work in an episode, because I feel like everyone should get their fair recognition. I would be horrified to learn that I left out a link to buy someone's book or not given proper recognition of a contributor of this information. So, hopefully I have been doing everyone justice, and I shall continue to do so. At its core, this show was only ever meant to be a collecting of the vast information available on the paranormal into a bite sized lesson. I hope I have pulled this off so far and really look forward to this shared learning experience with you all as we continue. But please do show your support to the authors of the books I use for research by buying their books. Please support the online content and podcasts and shows of the paranormal investigators who are really doing the work here by going to their page, listening to their shows, and watching their content. All right, enough feely-goody brown-nosing for now. Let's get into some of this shadow animal malarkey. We're actually going to kick it off with the doggos and the puppers. I have both good and bad news for you. The good news is that, should you see a shadow dog running down your dark hallways or following you down a street late at night, it very well could be a partially manifested form of someone's past fur baby. Maybe yours. That's the good news. The bad news... If it's not, it doesn't look great as far as being any sort of good omen. Folklore surrounding dark, shadowy canines can classify them as harbingers of death, bad luck, or tragedy. Especially in England, for some reason. They've occasionally been linked with the devil, possibly stemming from the mythologies of Cerebus, the three-headed pup guardian of Hades tasked with keeping the dead in and the living out. In the UK, there are legends of a specter of a big, black, shadowy dog called a Grimm, who most often is seen patrolling churchyards. His job is to protect the bodies and funerals taking place from witches and demons with bad intentions. In other lore, though, Grimm's can be found out and about, usually at nighttime. And unfortunately, if you should see one, you should know your time is short as the legend goes that you will die before the year is out. So, in short, shadow dogs of old are death omens. Compared to shadow dogs of current, either we or they have evolved, as people now report seeing shadowy canines as far more benevolent creatures. Some people even reporting being led to safety or guarded by them in less than ideal situations. They are often connected to bodies of water, electrical storms, or certain landmarks like crossroads, places of execution, or ancient pathways. I really like the thought, though, that these particular shadows are our passed-on fur children. Medium and scientist Rob Guttrow said in an episode of the Edge of the Rabbit Hole podcast that he believes that pets can appear as shadows from the afterlife. Similar to his belief that a lot of shadow figures are just the spirit of a deceased person who cannot summon enough energy to fully manifest themselves, it is the same with a pet. If you are, in fact, able to identify a compact little shadow running around your house as one of your past pets, expect them to do a lot of the same stuff they like to do when they were alive, such as jumping on the bed or licking your little toesies. He also says due to their connection to you, they will always be able to find you, no matter where you are or what you are doing, and are hanging around until the time that you too cross over, and then they will meet you on the other side. Now, I'm sure I'm not alone in having lost a doggo of my own. His name was Tork, and he and I had a really tough start to our relationship. He was my boyfriend's dog when we first met, already four years old, already stuck in his ways. He certainly let me know a few weeks into dating his dad that he did not approve of the new arrangement by making some of my fancier, more expensive high heels into confetti one night while I slept. Uh, It would be a very rough next five years or so of him and I battling it out for the stronghold over my boyfriend, over the rules of sitting on the couch, over the constant farting and getting into the garbage and the racket making and the constant, constant self-grooming. I was never a dog person, and I held on to this belief well into our relationship, but Over time, we got to a place of mutual understanding. He became more of a roommate, and I started to see the humor in his general persona. And then there came a distinct moment, which ended up being about a year before he would pass, that we became friends. Everything clicked into place for us. I genuinely felt a connection and love for him that I had never felt for a dog before. I had just received a call from my genetic specialist who had ordered a bunch of examinations for me following a BRCA2 diagnosis, including a mammogram, ultrasound, and an MRI, which all picked up on something. Her call came after her review of these scans, confirming there was indeed a mass, and due to my genetic condition, wanted to go ahead and pull the trigger on getting me in to see an oncologic surgeon ASAP. Uh, uh this was this was big, guys. Uh, I had I had never felt true fear and defeat before this moment. L- lost, alone. I remember hanging up the phone, uh, my mouth going completely dry, the throbbing in my tongue and the back of my throat like I could taste blood. I, I slid down to the floor, not able to breathe, and suddenly torque was just there. I hadn't heard him come over. He was just there, and I wrapped my arms around him and bawled. And instead of him pulling away, which was something he might have done, he just sat there, letting me hold onto him. And I saw him differently after this. He was there through my official diagnosis, through my surgery, through my reconstruction, and it seemed just when I was finally on the mend, a little over a year later, it was his turn. Almost as if he had been there for a purpose. I didn't think of it like that at at the time, but looking back, the timing was so strange. But as a tarot reader I used to know used to say timing is divine. When it was his time, luckily his decline didn't last too long. It was only a couple of weeks when we started noticing him having a hard time standing on his walks or getting up from his bed. He was a little stiffer than usual, a little more tired than usual, but he was an old man by that point. He had always been a lazy boy, so we just chalked it up to normal old age and thought that we still had plenty of time with him. I mean, (laughs) It's Torque. He's he's a staple of our lives. He's always been there and will always be there. But his last night came. Um, He wasn't drinking, heavy panting, and when we knew that he was feeling pain, we took him into the vet and they gave us the bad news. Looked like cancer that had spread. There was chemo and some new treatments they could try, but at his very ripe age, The vet felt we'd only be able to buy him maybe a couple of months, if that, Um, which we would have happily done for him if it would have been quality, pain-free time. But even the vet said it it would be rough. So we made the hardest decision, but the kindest one. We stayed with him through it. I remember thinking I didn't want him to feel alone or scared. So we loved on him. I tried not to cry the way I really wanted to, and then, very quietly, he was just gone. Uh, I still tear up thinking about him. Um, It's an incredible loss, as anybody who has been through it knows. And Lee and I both still get really emotional over it, even now, almost three years later. Afterwards, in our quiet apartment, sometimes I would uh, hear what sounded like clicking nails on the floorboards or scratching of ears in the corner where his bed still sat, and I just explained it away as wishful thinking, my imagination, because I couldn't shake the emptiness felt of the part of the world he used to inhabit. Sometimes, though, um, I would also see what looked like movement. Out of the corner of my eye uh, think he was coming over to me and I would look up to find nothing there of course but I always found some way to explain around that too. I just think perhaps if I had seen a full-on shadow in a torque-shaped form I might have felt comforted. Looking back I, I really wish I had. It was a dark surreal time and I I wish I had known how common that experience can be and maybe could have opened my mind to it. Rob Guttrow, who uh, has written a series of books called Pets and the Afterlife, he often speaks about seeing the shadow form of his past pets, his dogs, and I gotta say I'm both very happy for him but also deeply envious. He is so lucky to have that sort of proof that his babies aren't just gone, you know, non-existent, like they didn't matter. Because they matter so much while they're here. It's just not fair to think they no longer do. And I know we're really teetering on the edge of afterlife talk here, which is absolutely something we're going to learn about in an upcoming episode or upcoming season. Um, I appreciate having this platform right now so I could say all of that. I guess I just needed to say it. Uh, tell someone and hopefully feel connected with others who have gone through it themselves. There will be a time in the not-too-distant future we will dive deep into that world, but for now, let's steer this baby back into talk of shadow animals. On the podcast episode I mentioned before, Rob actually talked about hell hounds, which kind of perked my ears up a little bit, mostly because Most of the folklore you pull up on this type of strange-looking canine-ish entity is very old. And like I said, a lot of these stories took place in England. So there's something about the concept of hell hound that seems almost too mystical to be taken into consideration in regards to shadow dogs. But apparently people still report seeing these types of beasts. It is Rob's opinion that these entities are from somewhere else, like other dimensions. That they are distinctly separate and different from the shadow that is your previous puppy dog. And they are so strange looking, we try to relate it to something that we already know. So the concept of a hellhound might just be the result of us interpreting this strange looking entity, whatever it is, into a dog. So they can be an existing shadow creature, but nevertheless are quite different from his main belief that these shadows are our past pups. Uh, A really good part about this interview um, is where he tells of an encounter of a dog owner who actually saw their past dog in the back seat of their car prior to an accident. The owner was left believing that his dog was there to protect him from harm, which is so cool. I love that. But, how about a highly reported shadow animal experience that is not so cool, something I don't love, shadow spiders. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I am not a fan of spiders. But shadow spiders? I mean, come on! Stories about these things sound like they are straight out of a meth addict's waking nightmare. Actually, um, a lot of drug users either warn of or report the experience with these little critters during a bad trip or a long bender when they have gone without sleep. I can't even imagine how I would react. So luckily for me, I'm not a meth addict, so I'm safe from seeing these things. Right? Wrong. Anyone can see them. Just read a first-hand account of some woman sitting up in bed, reading on her phone, and she looks up to see one crawling out from behind her curtains and walking along the wall in her direction. It became more transparent the closer it got to her and the light, before disappearing altogether. She was online, asking other readers what she could do so as not to see it or other shadow spiders again. Yeah, no kidding. God, maybe burn your house down and just start over. Overreacting, I know. It's an illogical fear, as in the real world, the majority of spiders you will come across are actually not dangerous to you at all, but I cannot seem to help having a visceral reaction to seeing them. You call it a phobia, I call it the only way to react to seeing these little creatures, and unfortunately, a fight to the death for one of us. It's a fear I'm working on, trying to better myself as a human being and all that. Uh, Sometimes I'm just not that successful, though. I will say, for anyone who is as big and arachnophobic as I am, it helps a little to put myself into their little shoes and see the world from their perspective. They must be so scared when they see us coming. Uh, Hmm. You think they see shadow humans? Shadow cans of raid? So, anyway... Uh, getting better, but I still am not at the place where I don't have an immediate recoiling reaction. One of the more interesting accounts I came across was actually on another podcast called Soul Tree Path. If you want to listen to this particular episode, it was called Shadow Spiders and More. The reason I found the host's experience with them so interesting is because it was so in-depth and long-lasting. And in the retelling of it, she does try to make connections as to why she was seeing them and at the frequency that it was happening. I'm not going to ruin her story by retelling it here, because I would rather you give her the listen and the likes. But in short, she did say shadow spiders were the most common shadow entities that she sees, and after a pretty big tragedy in her life that's when they started coming around, like, a lot. And she says she would not stop seeing them for a very long time. It also sounds like this experience was coinciding with a lot of nightmares. So my first gut reaction is that this was an incredibly stressful time in her life. Um, And as we've already learned, some of these experiences seem to surface during stressful times or traumatic events in our lives. But also, they don't, too and can show up when you least expect that you would see one of these things. Um, a ton of people report seeing these little skittering doom bugs, uh, sometimes just one, sometimes in massive amounts, covering their ceilings and walls, covering their bodies, crawling on their face. No. Just... whoo No. Okay. They can also be regular-sized, or the size of a damn car with its legs spread across the entirety of their ceiling. Again. going to be a nope for me. I'm sweating. (laughs) One thought I had in regards to the shadow spider before we thankfully wrap up our discussion on them is that if a shadowy entity were the result of psychology and deep-rooted fears buried in our psyches, I absolutely understand how the shadow spider can exist and essentially the same creature or image is seen by so many people across the world. Like this is a universal looking creature. Everyone knows what a spider looks like. Most people have a distaste for them. I get it. A shadow person can roughly be thought of in the same way, a nondescript human figure who is hard to see or identify, a stranger in the dark, stalking, lurking, deep-rooted fear. Okay, but a hat? Like, why the hat? So we just stepped from a very general, universal fear into something quite specific, but still seen by thousands. Huh. Okay. Um, as far as other rando shadow creatures people have reported, this, uh, this includes snakes, birds, deer, wolves, uh, various bugs, lizards, rabbits, guinea pigs, so on and so on. You name it, and it's probably been seen in shadow form. But the final creature I want to talk about is the shadow cat. Why? Because I'm a cat person. I love them. They can do no wrong in my book. So, of course, I'm going to be completely biased in my approach to these little guys and put them in the best light as possible, which isn't going to be very hard, as most of the accounts I've read on the shadow cats have been lovely. Rob Gutro says in his experience, encounters with shadow cats and shadow dogs are on par with each other. Something very interesting about shadow cats is people have frequently reported seeing them while astral projecting. The theories behind their attendance on the astral plane range from they are the spirits of cats who have died nearby where the astral traveler is visiting, or some believe cats just have a natural ability to astral project themselves while they are napping. Of course, you have the Debbie Downers who believe they are just evil forms taken on by evil entities in order to get closer to the astral projector, to observe or lure them in with a a false sense of safety, with a recognition of the animal. But we will just push right through that one with the understanding that in this world of shadow figures, there is always going to be that group of people who dole out the blanket label of evil on anything, that doesn't resemble an Abercrombie and Fitch lit from within looking angelic being. Not to wax on too much longer with the astral projection thing, but in going down the shadow cat road, it it kind of turned into like a whole rabbit hole type adventure. Um, did you know some people specifically astral project with their cats and claim to be able to communicate things telepathically that they wouldn't be able to do in the physical? Just it's, it's fascinating. I love this stuff. You learn something new every day. Most people don't seem to know what to do or what to make of seeing a shadow cat. I guess I can understand that, as cats are so symbolic, period. So I imagine a phantom-looking kitty is going to be kind of unsettling in that way if you aren't expecting it. I think it's kind of neat that in most reports, these shadow cats tend to just act like Uh, cats like darting every which way perching leaping up walls chasing and romping with other animals and hopping up on people's beds to nestle against them or rub against their face some have even reported hearing phantom meows and distinct purring coming from these blurry kitties and to wrap up the shadow kitty segment and i guess the episode two I really wanted to find a good encounter to tell you guys about, and I think I did. Um, A really cool encounter with one comes from an article by Stranger Dimensions relaying an experience this guy had with his girlfriend. Prior to his encounter, it had all started with hearing a meowing coming from another area of their house, but their own cats would be chilling right next to them, so they knew for a fact it wasn't coming from their pets. He says this happened for a while before the actual encounter. The night it happened, the guy was sitting up in bed reading, and his girlfriend was sleeping next to him. He says he felt something jump up onto the bed, and assuming it was one of his cats, he looks up to see what he describes as a small, distorted, pixelated mass. He continues to watch it as it crosses the bed toward his girlfriend's hand laying on the blanket, and says she unconsciously reacted suddenly pulling her hand back as if it had been stepped on, before turning over and continuing to sleep. The guy says he hasn't seen the mass again, but still will occasionally hear the phantom meowing. Speaking of meowing and all things kitty antics, uh, both of mine have found their way into my little recording booth and are now just staring at absolutely nothing in the corner. They can be so cute, but so creepy at the same time. Man, I ought to get into astral projection. I am so curious what could possibly be going on in their little heads. Mosley, I think, would just complain about something. You can tell he's a complainer. He's just, he's got that face. And Lana, well, hmm, bless her heart, but she ain't got a damn thing going on in that little head. (sighs) All right, guys. I think we did shadow animals justice today. We shed some light on the subject. Um, If this part of the shadow figure phenomenon piqued your interest at all, let me know and maybe we could talk more about them in another episode closer to the season finale. Um, It's tricky to find information specifically devoted to this subject, but I don't mind digging a little deeper. As we start heading down the other side of the hill for this season, um, I am still looking for a couple more shadow person experiences to tell at the beginning of an episode. However, I am already starting production on the second season, and it's looking like I'm going to be covering the Mandela Effect bar any unforeseen hurdles or another paranormal subject coming my way that lights my fire just as much, that's what I'm going to cover. So send me your Glitch in the Matrix experiences. You can reach me on all of the social media platforms, the handle for which is at Pod. Follow, like, share, message me your stories, or email me at ParanormGirlPod at gmail.com. All submissions are welcome, and I thank you in advance. And with that, a final note. Could the shadow animals of old, once believed to be terrifying and demonic, actually have been the manifested energetic forms of past animals, loved pets, misunderstood and feared for no good reason, or were they something else indeed? some other entity from some other place, a shape-shifted form of a darker presence, an attempt to scare or do some recognizance for a darker purpose. I put a lot of stock into what people are saying nowadays. We've believed some pretty murky things throughout history, but the safest bet, in my opinion, is to go with the freshest, newest information of the day. While I completely think it's possible there might be some dark creature lurking about who may resemble a giant wolf with red eyes or a feral cat bent on tripping you downstairs, I'm leaning toward the belief, if they are in fact real, most of these creatures people come across are the visages and energies of actual past animals, our beloved pets. But maybe people have a hard time with this idea, because in order to believe this, You have to believe that animals have a soul, too. That human beings are not special in this. And that may be too big of a pill to swallow. That could be a pretty big reality shift for some. But then again, we are also talking about shadow people here, so suspend your sense of reality with me. All skepticism and ingrained belief aside, what does your gut tell you? Call this homework, if you like. Take some time to really think how your belief or skepticism has been shaped throughout life and how it makes you look at subjects like shadow cats and dogs, good or bad, helpful or haunting, real, or just your own broken heart making you see things. In learning everything alongside you that's been discussed already, I'm kind of impressed to see just how much I didn't know and how that new information is building on rather than tearing down my belief from childhood that there is something more, that there is something to all of this. And as odd as it sounds, I might be profoundly comforted to see a shadow figure, simply because of the confirmation of that biggest of philosophical questions. Or a shadow dog who hopefully responds to torque when I call to it or a shadow cat who plays with my other animals and hides my hair ties when I'm not looking. But then that would also mean shadow spiders were real. I don't know about you, but I can personally do without seeing one for forever. But if you should see one or more, probably most definitely will be a lot of them. I hear they disappear in the light. So stay safe, keep that nightlight on and sleep